Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Long fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes! 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 Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Well, hello there, everybody. We're finally back and finally here recording another episode of the Platinum Sombrero brought to you by Sports Drink and our friends at Locker Room. If you are looking for a place to hang out with other sports brethren, maybe fans of your other of other of your favorite teams, you want to get in on the action, get in on some jovial bantering back and forth, just discussing the games, post games, whatever. Locker room is the perfect place to you. Is the perfect place to use, if I could speak today. Locker room is an audio only format. You just download the app off of iTunes or iTunes off the Apple Store or Google Play, either one. Uh, and now you can get involved. It's free to use. They've got rooms for just about anything. Post-game covers. There's guys that do during the shows. You can cover all of your favorite shows, all of your favorite teams. You can meet fans from around the world, and you can get in on the action. Just sports fans all the time. You choose your room, and you can kind of go how it goes. It's a really fun app to use. I encourage all of you guys to download it and start playing around with it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we'll be doing ours on Thursday nights at 9 p.m. for the Platinum Sombrero. All you got to do is look for the link on our Twitter page, and you'll be able to join in. And yes, I will do one this week. Uh, we have Doc and I have beaten the elements to get ready to go, and the locker rooms are going to be a big part of that. So make sure you jump, you jump on the locker room app, download it, and get ready to go. Locker room, the best way to play. All right, so Doc, it feels like the universe has been trying to tell us not to do this episode, uh, and like the Braves have been saying to getting above five hundred, we're just going to say screw you and do it anyway. Um, so it's nice to nice to have you back on, buddy. Nice to be able to record again. Yeah, we are recording on a rare Sunday night. It is it is the only time that our schedule has permitted us to actually uh, record. It's we we've missed a lot. It's been it's been a couple weeks. So uh, let's let's dive right in. It's I don't know about you. I I feel pretty good coming off of a win today. I think we needed 
another one. And, uh, you know, so we begin our march back to attempting to break through 500 again. <laughs> I mean, it's it's nice to be able to record after a win, but it's not like this isn't the most predictable thing of 2021 for us so far. The Braves get to 500, drop four games, and then start the trek back to 500 all over again. This is this is the fifth time that this has happened. So we all know the steps by now. We don't even need the music at this point. We can just free dance. Uh, but... It is nice to see them get a win, uh, and and ironically enough, or I shouldn't even say ironically, in what should surprise exactly no one, the Braves' offense puts up their best showing in like two weeks with the worst lineup that you could possibly construct out of the current twenty six man roster. Uh, but you know, such is baseball in twenty twenty one. And won with Drew Smiley on the mound twice this week and did not win with Max Fried, Ian Anderson, Charlie Morton. They didn't win with anybody else on the mound ex- just except for Drew Smiley. This entire year, every single thing about it is just so bizarro world. It's like we emerged out of COVID and just everything is backwards. Like if the playoffs started right now, the Braves would not be in it. They wouldn't even really be close, but neither would the Yankees, who a lot of people thought were going to win the World Series. I, I had a Braves-Yankees World Series. I had the Braves beating the Padres in the NLCS. The Padres wouldn't be in the playoffs either. I had the Twins actually winning a playoff game this year. They wouldn't be in the playoffs. The Blue Jays wouldn't be in the playoffs. The Indians wouldn't be. I mean, it's unbelievable. And here we are in Atlanta thinking we got it bad, and we do. You know, we certainly do, but it's uh, we are not the, the only team that is just looking up and down the roster saying, well, we have good players. What's What exactly is the problem right now? Yeah, and that, that's the thing when you're looking like, what in the world is the problem? And we do have good players, but I also think we also have a lot of players who aren't as good as maybe we thought they were coming into this season. Um, maybe we gave too little credit. Uh, to, to how difficult the 60-game sprint season was going to be for some players versus some others, uh, especially when you're talking about the bullpen because the, the bullpen for the Braves this year, overall, like there have been some guys who have been good in spurts, but overall the bullpen has been absolutely abysmal. And again, you can say the same for basically everybody. The offense has, the offense has done good at driving and runs. The OPS is still really, really high. Now you still go through spurts where you know you have – like what happened uh, the last four games that they lost, losing all four games by a total of five runs because the Braves' offense couldn't manage to scratch together anything, getting walked off twice, uh, wasting wasting phenomenal efforts by Tucker Davidson and Ian Anderson because you can't score more than more than a run. Uh, so there, it just seems to go in spurts all over the place. And, and you know, people keep asking, where's the problem? How do you pinpoint it? Who's been the worst part of it? And you can't really pinpoint it. Literally every part of this team has been the reason for multiple losses multiple times. Like, there, there's not anywhere that you can be like, all right, just fix this area and you're good to go. No, it's literally every area. No, dude, I would, it would be different if it was like, oh, the, the offense is fine and the rotation is fine, but it's, it's just the bullpen or, or vice versa or any combination. But on any given day, it's at least one and possibly up to all three of these things. Coming out of last year, we knew that Travis Darno wasn't going to repeat his 2020. You know, he was a guy that had struggled with injuries his entire career. And then when he was given the opportunity to only need to stay healthy for 60 games in the playoffs, he did, and he really thrived. We knew he was going to regress some, but 
we didn't know that he was one going to get hurt and be out for a couple of months, and also he was hitting like what, like two eleven when he went down, and then you have Marcelo Zuna, which is just a whole Pandora's box of situations right there. But in the context of this, we knew that he probably wasn't going to hit three thirty eight and be tied to the league lead in home runs again. But he just absolutely sucked. And then you you have Freddie Freeman, who. Yeah, we know he's hitting the ball hard, and he's he's not getting the luck, and we, we can tell that he's frustrated. But you had four silver sluggers last year, and of you know Acuna's obviously doing fine, and Freddie, you know maybe what he the thing that he's doing right now, maybe that's him coming out of it, maybe it's not. But then you have two other guys that aren't even around right now. One's in the IL, and one is facing legitimate prison time. What are you supposed to do with that? And then Christian Pache, we knew that that the bat wasn't necessarily going to be there, but we didn't think that he was going to completely forget what his swing was supposed to be. So, I mean, that right there, that's like, that's half of your team. And then, like like I said, we've got some really good individual players. But, like, as a unit, the team sucks. It doesn't matter how good the players are. The team sucks. And it's mainly noticeable because, like, that 2018 team, the unit was so strong and so tight-knit they, that is not a team that should have won 90 games, but they did. It was like the hallmark. That's when like the never quit with Snit thing happened. That's when that started, and then it carried over into 19, and you had BMAC and Donaldson and all these big personalities. Last year, you had it was just as fun to watch the team on the bench as it was to watch them on the field. And now, it's like nobody's got the spark. It's like nobody believes anymore. You know, I, I don't, and it's, it's not that it's making me not believe, but it's it's harder. Like when it last year, if the Braves were down six to three in the seventh inning, I just was like, "We're gonna win." I'm not even not even flinching about it. Like I can guarantee you that there's gonna be some late inning fireworks here. And I don't get that. Yeah. I don't get that this year whatsoever. No, and and you try to dig around and find root causes, and there's there's a number of small things that might be adding up to get there. You mentioned that we had four silver sluggers last year three of which have been just god-awful this year. Freddie, hopefully, is coming out of it, but I'm not going to sugarcoat anything just because it is Freddie. Like, yeah, it's nice to see that he's hitting the ball hard, but he's not finding holes, and I've said this numerous times. Like, just because... This is why you can't use any single stat in a vacuum. Like, just because you're hitting the ball hard doesn't necessarily mean anything. I've talked about this before when they talk about, like, X stats. I've, I've talked to... Me and you have talked about this at length, about how just saying that, well, the XBA was 950, so that means it should have happened. Like, it doesn't work that way. Like, just because, like, you have to go individual. And, and for Freddie, we've noticed that he's not pulling the ball nearly as often this year. He's actually going up the middle more, which you would think would equate to, to better results. But... They shift on Freddie all the time because, duh, because he's not really going to push the ball. But he's going oppo. It's still at, at almost the exact same clip as he was a year ago. It's just he's not hitting the, the he's not he's not hitting the balls that he should be hitting hard. He's hitting hard baseballs, but they're not in great locations. So a lot of his hard hit balls are you know the the unlucky lineouts that we remember. But there's a ton of balls that he's crushing on the ground right at people. And yes, if you crush the ball on the ground, you're still probably going to be out. It's still more likely to be out than if you crush it in the air or crush it as a line drive. Like it, 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 the type of the type of contact matters. Hopefully, Freddie's starting to come out of it. He looks like the timing is getting a little bit back, which is what I'm really hoping to see. But for everybody else on offense, we just seem to. It seems to come and go in spurts. And like Dansby, we know Dansby at home is very good, and Dansby on the road is very not good. Uh, Austin has been. 
since since that Yankee series, Austin has been on a tear for basically the entire rest of the season. There was a small cold stretch there for I think it was about 18 games or so. Uh, not even 18. It might have been like 10 or 12 games or so where he kind of cooled off pretty significantly, but then he picked right back up. Uh, Acuna has had small dips and then super high valleys, um, but he's been mostly consistent. Ozzy, since after after the first month of the season, Ozzy's been incredible. We've had some individual performances, but you have to have more than three people performing at a time for your offense to really do anything. And then you have to be able to trust that even when your offense performs, your pitching is going to hold up. Your starters are not going to give give away the game, or your bullpen's not going to give away the game, or your manager's not going to make inexplicably stupid decisions and make winning the game harder, or your front office isn't going to have your team positioning defensively. That was a very good defensive team at, at making routine plays their entire tenure of this GM's career, all of a sudden decide to completely switch that up and ruin making routine plays. You don't, you don't have, nobody has the ability to overcome all of that at once. You can overcome one or two of those at a time. You cannot overcome all of those forces working against you. You have to have something working for you to overcome the rest. And right now, everything that the Braves could possibly be doing, every button the Braves could possibly be pushing, they're pushing the wrong one. And these are just the things that you can see, right? Like, and you also have. The All-Star Game thing, regardless of how you feel about it, that happening... It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And it happened like it was... You had a Thursday that was opening day, and then literally the next day, Friday, was an off day. And that was the day we found out they were taking the All-Star Game away. This is one game into the season that this happens. You know, everybody was super excited about this. The players, the everybody. And then to start the season out that way, it's like, ugh... Okay, that's kind of a big thing. And with the injuries and the underperformance and and all of that, you know, that stuff is bad. And they were struggling with, you know, we said a lot during the early part of the season, like there were probably six or seven games out of the first 20 that if not for a little bit of bad bulk, it was like one thing went wrong, not like a collection of things. Like you could see that the Braves should have won those games. Those, Those things continue to happen, right? But like right when it looks like they're getting their stride, that's when the Marcelo Zuna thing happened. And it's like... That and the All-Star Game thing are just these shadows that, like, hang over the team. But on top of that, just the little, these, the lucky breaks and all of these late-inning rallies and all all those things that happened in these previous years, like, it's just, it's like... It's all just vanished. Yeah. It's just vanished. I didn't realize that when we lost Perry Manazian and, uh, and Alex Tammons, they would be taking our mojo with them to LA. And it's not like the Angels have done any good, but at least they've got Shohei doing something. But it's just everything is working against the Braves right now. And it's got to, it's got me to this point where I, I've just, I'm continually in a state of, of not being surprised when the Braves manage to blow something up that they shouldn't. Like I, I'm not even shocked anymore when the Braves get walked off two games in a row. Like you have that moment of this is unbelievable, and then but it's not really that you're saying like, man, I can't believe this is happening. It's like you got to be kidding me. Like, it's not that you can't believe it. It's just like, of course this is happening right now. The the first walk off, it was one to nothing. It was one to nothing with two outs in the ninth inning, and then Will Smith walked Andrew McCutcheon, and the pitching had looked so good that day, and I was I was feeling so good about about this moment, like a one to nothing victory right after the bullpen looked like it was finally starting to come out. I'm like, this is perfect. And then 
once McCutcheon gets walked, I'm like, whatever, everything's cool. Who's coming up? Is it Ronald Torres? <laughs> and here comes Luke Williams. Here's the kid that they've been showing his family on TV. They interviewed his mom when she's wearing the Phillies jersey, and everybody's so hyped up the, the night before when he, he tripled into the right field corner, and it was everybody's like, oh, my God, everybody in Philadelphia loves this kid. And when I realized that's who was coming over the plate, I literally said out loud, this kid is about to walk this off, isn't he? And it took two pitches for him to do exactly that. The next day, I'm sitting in an all-day meeting. I'm in the middle of an audit, okay? And I've got the game day app pulled up on my phone. And I'm it's the 10th inning, and I see us score a second run, and then I see the wild pitch happen. And I I know at least one person on this call saw me fist pump when this happened in the middle of a very boring audit. So clearly I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. And... And so I had the joy, and then like five minutes later, I got to watch the entire thing just fall apart, and I couldn't even move. I just had to sit completely still in the middle. Of, devastating, dude. Two in a row to the Phillies. It's, it's not even about this year with the Phillies and, and us leapfrogging each other back and forth and currently fighting for second place behind the Mets. It's just about all of the time. It's just the Phillies, man. It's gross. You never want to lose to the Phillies once for any reason, but certainly not two consecutive days, you know, 16 hours apart, losing two games in just a horrendous, heartbreaking fashion. It's terrible, and it's it's a and metaphor I'm, for the I'm, whole season. I'm pretty sure they've lost to the Phillies in extras four times already this season. It's just ridiculous, uh, but it is... And we say all that to kind of get to this point, like we're we're past the sixty game mark now. We're we're past the end of last season, and you did have to kind of I did have to kind of remind myself, like okay, there's still a hundred games to go, but. Um, Everybody's main concern right now is, is how high is the panic meter. I, I would say everybody's is kind of high, but uh, just like yours, on a scale of 1 to 10, how panicked are you right now? I know it's my job to be like the positive, happy, uplifting one and always be the one who takes nothing, puts it through the spin zone and tries to package it as this really fun, happy thing. Dude, I'm freaking out a little bit. I know we won today, and I know that... All four of those games that we lost could have just as easily gone the other way, and we could be like within two games of the Mets right now, but we're not. I out of ten, probably like a eight point two. It's I just <laughs> I just don't feel good like I anymore. It's like you said, none of it none of it surprises me anymore. You know, we, it's three to nothing, and then Freddie hits a home run, and it's three to two, and I feel like we got momentum. And then within four pitches, the Marlins take the lead back. You know, just. Every game, it's like that. Every game, I feel like, and I, and I hear myself saying these things, and I'm so disappointed in myself because I, I want to blow smoke up everybody's rear end and just tell you about how good things are. And you're right, there are still a hundred games left. We are two weeks away from being right, two week heater and a, a Mets slump away from being right back in it. But man, everything is just a little broken <laughs> right now. Where's where's yours? Are, is your panic meter lower than mine? I don't know. So it's kind of weird. So it uh, kind of depends on how you want to judge this. It's panicked as far as like, oh, no, I can't believe what's happening. Uh, in that case, then I'm probably lower than you because I'm fully like, yep, this is happening. Uh, but if you're just in the meter of, man, this season is not going well, I'm right there at an eight as well. Because I still, I'm maybe I'm just foolish and just naive. I still keep saying that if I say... I've been saying once the Braves get over 500, now I find myself having to say... If the Braves get over 500, I really do think they're going to be fine. I think that once they 
if they get over 500, then they won't fall back below it. But we've been five times now trying to get over 500, and we keep digging ourselves in a hole by losing so many consecutive games that you have to go on a little bit of a run just to get yourself back to 500. And every streak ends. So yes, it's much harder to win six games in a row than it is to win, say, two out of three, or three out of five, or four out of eight. Like It's, it's not easy to do. Uh, and it just keeps happening. And every time this team feels like they, they, when they eke out one of those, you know, one of those scoring on, on a passed ball or get a, a big home run late when they've been struggling to score runs, you can tell that the team kind of lets out its collective breath. They're working, they have to work so hard to get those moments and then to turn around and give it away immediately, whether it be by the starter or by the reliever or by horrible defense, it just, it just sucks all the life right back out of them. And it's just, it, it looks bad. And I, I'm at this point now where, you know, yes, there's a hundred games left. And yes, you don't want to freak out until after the all-star break. You don't, doesn't mean don't look at the standings, Brian Snicker. Um, that's still kind of important because it is possible to bury yourself before the all-star game. Ask the Nationals. Um, but that's kind of my fear right now is this team is going to be like that Nationals team where you're just going to dig yourself into a deeper and deeper and deeper hole and sooner or later you turn it around, but not until it's too late. 100 games is a long time. It, it, it really is a long time. And we are lucky to still be able to, to say this because, you know, five games with, with some of the luck. It's, there have been so many cold streaks there have been so many cold streaks, it's unbelievable to me that there still hasn't really been a hot streak against the good team. You look at that Pirates game where they put up 20, yeah, well, they also scored eight of those off of Wilmer Defoe, and, uh, I mean, that guy's a second baseman. He honestly looked like, uh, I've never seen a, re- a relief pitcher that was so happy to just take one on the chin like that. But, I mean, there is going to come a point where things do click, okay? Like, Freddie b- batting between... Ronald and Ozzy, and just not performing has torpedoed a lot of momentum. Okay, like he and he knows that, and I think that's part part of why he's getting so frustrated too. Uh, they they mentioned the stat on the game today that um, if you adjust his average for um, to account for all of the hard hit balls that have that have gone against him, that his batting average only goes to two sixty seven. You know, Freddie's like a three hundred career hitter, so the the bad luck does only. Um, does only account for so much, but um, but he does have uh, some some pockets of hitting really well the past four games in particular, and he had, he had kind of started to heat up a little bit before there. If you can get a sustained run of where you actually have Acuna, Freeman, Albies, and Riley all being hot at the same time, or some combination of those, because it's only been on an individual basis for those guys uh in the in the first in the first little bit you you can do a lot and and you can kind of offset the fact that that you've got Guillermo Heredia and Abraham Almonte um getting meaningful innings for your team uh I, every, and everybody knows it too like I'm sure everybody in that clubhouse likes Guillermo Heredia and Abraham Almonte but everybody knows that it wasn't supposed to be this way and it wasn't supposed to be it, this yeah way. I, I it's just and and everybody everybody knows it it's 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 just a funk hopefully you know because there is going to come a point where where they are going to rattle off seven in a row or win like 12 out of 14 or something like that i mean 
just because they haven't done it yet doesn't mean that there's no way that these guys are going to turn it around. Like Tyler Matzik is good, but he was overused, and you're starting to see that. AJ Minter is good, but he was overused, and you're starting to see that. As the bullpen is getting better, hopefully that it's just you know kicking out the last guy and then you know knocking everybody down an inning, and maybe you know Christian Pache is doing really good work down in Gwinnett. So hopefully, if they can get him back drop him in the lineup, and just kind of start to get the team back like they thought it was supposed to be this year, just enough to hang on to where they feel like they should add at the trade deadline. Because if things keep going this way, other GMs are going to call. You know, Acuna's not going anywhere no matter what. Albies, Riley, those guys are not going anywhere. But if this team is still hovering very close to 500, and it's like, I don't know, July the 10th, July the 19th, I started calling the Braves and I started asking about Chris Martin. Sure. What are your plans for Dansby Swanson? He's got a year of control. You've got Orlando Arcia down in uh, Gwinnett, don't you? Yeah, we, we would like to, uh, it could be beneficial for you if you trade Dansby because then you can call Arcia up. He's already a major league shortstop. Weird things could happen with this team between now and the end of the season. Absolutely. And uh, I, I, you just kind of get to the point where like, well, you got to shake it up somehow. So what do you end up doing? And you really, you have two options. You either sell or you buy. And we'll kind of, we'll, we'll take a look at that a little bit later in the show uh, as we get to talking about the all-star break in general. But I do think that the shakeup is going to have to come through some sort of acquisition. And, and a lot of people talk about firing Rick Kranitz. I wouldn't be opposed to that as, I mean, I kind of think that the pitching coach is a little overrated and a little underrated. I think the pitching coach tends to be more about the game plan and, hey, making sure guys stop um, bleeping themselves on the mound. Uh, I think that's kind of like what your pitching coach is there for. Um, but, I mean, somebody's got to be the scapegoat, and it's not going to be Snicker. It's not going to be Freddie. It's not going to be any of the mainstay players or anybody in the front office. So it's got to be somebody might as well be Kranitz. Mike Merrith is a very well-respected guy. Does a good job with the guys at Gwinnett. Uh, it certainly is a guy that would be in line for a promotion. And I would assume that he's probably going to be in line for that, for that job next season. Um, so I could see that happening. I, I really do think it's going to have to come to an acquisition and I don't want to wait until the all-star break. I don't want to, or I don't, I should say, I don't want to wait until the trade deadline. I would rather the Braves set the tone and be the first team to make a big deal. So you can set the market as opposed to letting the market set itself. But you know, everybody has to figure out something to do in the meantime. Can I just please ask the Braves to stop shifting when there's a runner on first? You are the double play, the double play positioning is already a shift. You don't need to shift the shift. The whole reason behind going into the double play shift is to make that out at second easier so you have more time to get that out at first. But the out at second is the priority. So why on earth would you make it harder to get that out at second? I do kind of wonder where that's coming from because it's it's not like the Braves are are new at shifting, but they've never done this before. They didn't do this last year or the year before. Well, to this degree, this seems really like it's. I would be curious to know number one who is making that decision, and I would also be curious to know what numbers are they looking at to to make that decision because so far. It just seems like in the in the sample size that that I have noticed, other teams are 
literally batting 1,000 when the Braves do that. And and with balls that have traveled like an average of like 62 feet. They somehow managed to make it work. I don't know how and I don't know why, but I don't like it, and I agree with you. It, it just drives me absolutely nutty. It's just another one of those things this season that's driving things absolutely insane and skewing the numbers. I, I don't want to say skewing the numbers because at some point you are what your record says you are. Uh, but I, I don't want to get to that point where the Braves are bad. I want the Braves to go on a big run, and then I can be like, yeah, you are what the record says you are. I don't want to have to say that when the Braves are sucking. So I need them to figure some things out. Stop acting like that, because this is... I have not seen the Braves do this at all under Alex's tenure until this season, and it hasn't worked at all. You'd figure at some point you'd be like, okay, this is clearly not working. Let's stop it. Maybe that, maybe doing that can, can serve some sort of purpose, although I tend to doubt it. I think that's you tending to to try to outthink the room and instead outthinking yourself. But maybe you could say, maybe in certain situations it can work if you have pitchers that can pitch to certain direct, specific areas of contact. The Braves don't have any pitchers this year who have been good enough consistently to do that. So to me, you, you are hurting yourself immeasurably by doing that. Stop it. And speaking of stopping it, stop not using locker room. Go download Locker Room. I told you guys at the beginning of the show, go download it. Do it now. Listen to me. Join in the Locker Rooms Thursdays, 9 p.m. for the TPS ones. Just follow the links on the Twitter page. I'm telling you. I'm not even asking. I'm telling you. Do it! Go do it. Um, Speaking of that, though, you and I were talking right before we recorded, because you and I usually talk a lot, and we end up blowing some good stuff in the pre-shows. One of these days, I'm going to start a recording without telling you and just do it behind the scenes on our episodes. Ooh, a director's Um, cut, yeah. That's right. Um, the problem with the, one of the biggest problems with this Braves team this year and how bad they've been performing is they've been playing like trash against the vastly, vastly easier part of their schedule. This next two months for their schedule, it stops being easy. Yeah, so as soon as I, I started talking about, oh, you know, other teams are going to call the Braves and see if they're going to sell at the deadline. It's, it, sounds, it sounds preposterous because there are only three games under 500 and five games back. But played a bunch of games against the Nationals. You know, the, the Phillies just got over 500, but they're, they're not great. We played like 10 games against them. We have seen uh, the Marlins like seven times. We, you know, we, we did play the Pirates, and thank God we took three against them because... Between now and the All-Star break, and we'll do we'll do after the All-Star break as well, but in order, two at home against the Red Sox, four at home against the Cardinals, four at City Field against the Mets, four at Great American Ballpark against the Reds, then they come back home, three against the Mets, three against the Marlins, who we are two and five against this year, three at Pittsburgh, and then three at Miami. And then we get the All-Star break. Okay, the last nine probably seemed palatable, but it also seemed pretty good going into a series against the Marlins this week, too. You got nine games against last-place teams, but, um, you know, that's obviously no no cakewalk. Uh, having seven games against the first-place Mets, whose record right now is not too different from what the Braves' record was last year after 60 games when they... Uh, Won the division and made a deep playoff run. You know, the Reds can hit. The Cardinals are kind of spinning their wheels, but they can really hit. The Red Sox, we saw it not long ago. They are one of the better teams in baseball, and they can really hit too. So a month from now, look, we if we think we know who this team is now, we're going to have a real, real good idea in a month. And if what I was saying before about 
you know, you look in the dugout and last year was it was just as fun to watch the team and now you look in the dugout and everybody seems like morose and downtrodden. If that's happening when we're losing against crappy teams, what's going to happen when we're getting just smoked by good teams? Absolutely. That's a fair thing to talk about because momentum and, and you know, emotion and attitude are such a big part of the day-to-day baseball life. And they kind of t- touched on this maybe even overtouched on it to some extent about the difference between the 60 game sprint and 162 game season, particularly, particularly for really young guys that don't really have that 162 experience. And it's going to play a factor, especially when things aren't going well, because when, when everything's going good and you're winning, it's not hard to show up to the ballpark. It's, you know, you want to show up to the ballpark because everything's going so well. You don't want the season to end when things are going horribly you're just like, man, can we please make this stop? Can, can, can we get a break, please? Can, can something go our way? Then it starts getting into a grind. That's when it's really a grind. That's when things can snowball out of hand really quickly. And coming out of the All-Star break, it gets even harder than, than the month going into it. When you got three at home versus the Rays, who are always a tough out. Three at home versus San Diego, who, yeah, they'd be missing the playoffs right now, but it's really just because the West has been really good. I believe the, I believe the, the Padres would either be first in uh, the first in the East or they would be right below the, the Mets as it stands right now. Then you go to Philly for four, which has been awful for us so far. Then you go to New York for another four-game set against the Mets. Then you get to go back home against the Brewers, and I'm, I'm sure with our luck you're going to end up facing both Burns and Woodruff in that exchange. So... Things don't get easier after the All-Star break. That stretch immediately after the All-Star break, that's going to be like, hey, hope you enjoyed your week-long break. Have fun getting thrown right back into this fire. You do tend to see sometimes where the Braves will play to their level of competition. You know, they play bad against bad teams, but they play good against good teams. And and some for as counter to plan as so many things have gone this year, um, I mean, it honestly wouldn't surprise me to see it to have like right now be the moment they flip the switch. And I mean, how many how many games are we looking at here? Uh, Twenty six games between now at the All Star break. If they're gonna wind up going like eighteen and eight or something and just surprise everybody, you know, who knows? Stranger stranger things have happened, and I think that everybody everybody in the clubhouse knows how important it is. And you know, maybe maybe if they they just have to have like a closed door players meeting or or something i i don't know i mean but they they have got to keep their head above water during this stretch for for those 26 and for the other 17 that are between the start of the all-star break and the end of august basically when the trade deadline is i mean the, that right there like you said it gets it gets even harder but you know it's this can be like an avalanche you know it, in in either direction if they if they get on a roll and and freddie continues what he's doing you know and this season is by no means over. This season is is just it's very tricky, but 100 games left. It's still a long, long way to go. So, but if they don't navigate this stretch, then legitimately there's going to be Braves we love now wearing different uniforms by the end of this year. Yeah, you know, it, you just said it's not over. Uh, it's certainly not over, and that kind of leads into the final question on the docket. Uh, depending on how the next five weeks until that All Star break goes. Uh, a lot of people are wondering, will the Braves be sellers? And I know you and I are on the same page as far as we, we, we don't think they'll be sellers. I'm interested to see if we have the same reasoning why. My reasoning is not because uh, of, of the team in any sort of way. My reasoning is a lot more cynical, uh, but I think it's also a lot more probable. Um, we, we, we've seen now, or at least we hear reports of, uh, that 
that the reason Alex offered Drew Smiley an $11 million contract, literally triple what he'd ever earned in a season based off of 20 innings from 2020, um, was because he did not think that he was going to have such a strict budget as he had. Uh, and then the strict budget came in, and then he couldn't sign any of the major relievers. He couldn't really sign any other major pieces. Uh, even Marcelo Zuna, you only signed him because you got him on a super cheap deal, which obviously uh, I now wish had not happened. Period. Um, but even even that, what was even that, what was the biggest win for the Braves this offseason? Even that somehow came back to kick you right in the nads. Uh, that's just emblematic of how 2021 is. Not to take anything away from Ozuna being trash human being at that point. Um, but that's that's just kind of how, how it's gone for Alex this year. And I still don't think they're going to sell because Liberty Media, if it was such a big deal, the revenue that they lost last year, not having fans in attendance, that it took them to this level, there is no way on God's green earth that Liberty Media is going to allow Alex in any sort of capacity, even if Alex would consider it, which I don't think he would, to allow the Braves to trade Freddie Freeman. So get that thought out of your head. There's no possible way that happens. And I know you can say, well, they could always just sign him again in the offseason. Maybe. Or they could not sign him and he could get upset about being traded at all and decide not to come back. The Braves are not going to trade away the face of the franchise that directly took it after Chipper Jones, who is so close to Chipper Jones and the other greats of the franchise. They're not going to trade that guy away to then try to, to regain his favor in the offseason and add a couple guys. You might say that that makes a sort of sense in, in the right frame of mind doesn't work that way when you're talking about Freddie. doesn't work that way when you're talking about faces of your franchise. just doesn't work. Uh, so that's not going to happen. And on the other side, if the Braves start selling, Atlanta fans don't show up for teams that don't perform. If if the Braves start selling good pieces, and, and say what you want about whether Dansby's a good piece, I think he would be one of the key guys that would be available to sell Morton. If some team's like, you know what, I'll fix Morton and I'll take him on for the rest of the season. Or, heck, maybe somebody's like, hey, we want Chris Martin. Uh if the Braves give away good players and it becomes obvious that they're selling, you're going to lose fan revenue. You're going to lose attendance at ball games, And that's something that I really don't think Liberty Media is even going to allow. This is actually the one time where I actually think that Liberty Media might push the front office to be like, hey, go make a move. Now, they may not be like, hey, go make a move for whoever. They still may say, hey, we're going to open you to this amount. Make it work. But they might... This is one of those times where they'd be like, hey, go make a move just to bring attendance back up. Bring in bring in somebody to change the fortunes of the team. And their motive is not going to be so the team goes well. Their motive is going to be like, so the team does well and people show up and we get money. No, no, no doubt about it. I mean, fans will be much more apt to forgive underperformance than they would if they start seeing the front office start selling pieces off. And and dude, you're you're right. They're Look, is there a possibility that Freddie Freeman walks in free agency? Well, of, of every day that he doesn't sign, yeah, that that still remains a possibility. But if they trade him, then he's definitely not coming back. You know, he is probably Freddie wears his his emotions on his sleeve. We we see it with him all the time. You know, that's it's very obvious when he whether he's in a good mood or a bad mood. Okay, and because of that transparency, you know, I think it's become very apparent that, uh, you know, Freddie's a really emotional guy. And if you, you jerk him around like that, you know, if, if he was supposed to be the heir to Chipper, you know, you don't, you don't trade Chipper and hope you sign him back. You know, it's the same, it's the same thing for, for Freddie. So there, there could be some pieces on the move 
Um, you know, even if the Braves are buyers, they they could opt to be some some type of creative to where they they're subtracting and adding from the big league roster. But uh, I I do not see I don't see a world where Freddie Freeman uh, gets gets traded. But sure, I mean, if somebody if let's say the Braves are out of it, they got some pieces. I if Shane Green proves to be anything in a year after co- uh, revenues were down, Shane Green is on a one and a half million dollar deal. If he turns into anything, he could be a massive trade chip because he's going to cost about mm, an eighth of what some of the best relievers on the market are going to cost, and and he's up at the at the end of the year. So, um, you know, we we certainly hope it it doesn't come to that. But once again, we got 26 games to really stand up and say we belong here. You should be adding to this team. Do not trade Shane Green. Trade for somebody to put next to Shane Green. And, you know, please get us somebody who is not Abraham Almonte. And, you know, maybe it, it's possible that Drew Waters winds up being being the answer. You know, every, he spends some time down in AAA. He gets to face some higher-level pitching in the minors, the closest he can get to the majors. At a certain point, you are going to have to put him in that outfield because Haredia is serviceable. Almonte is serviceable. Waters has star potential, so maybe maybe that's something. Maybe that's an avenue they go uh, if they opt not to add financially. The good news is fans are back in the stands, and it appears that people are really rolling deep to games. People are really excited to be back in the stadium, so there's some revenue coming in there. So they could possibly be a little bit more aggressive to um, if they see they start seeing green, then they might be a little more apt to open up the pocketbook to to fill. You know, if you're getting, I don't know, twenty five thousand on a Tuesday, maybe you're pushing to to get thirty five thousand on a Tuesday um, at that point, and and all of the the offshoots of revenue that come with that. So, um, you know, sorry for the kind of downer episode. Just coming off a, a week where where we're deep enough into the season, where like like you said, Dylan, we passed the sixty game mark. And after 60 games last year, there was a lot more joy going going on than there is right now. So, but we are uh, W1 in the in the win column, and uh, we go into this series against the Red Sox, hoping to uh, continue that trek back back to 500. We're we one, go. We're one win away from a winning streak, guys. That's right. That's all we got to say. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning into the episode. Hopefully, next week's episode. We'll be able to, I don't know, do it whenever, like, be able to do this the way that we want to do this and also uh, be able to talk about being in the midst of a win streak and the Braves kind of figuring some things out. Otherwise, we'll, we'll try to find some more uh, deadline, some acquisition. Uh, maybe maybe even we'll, we'll try to start coming up with some ways that the Braves could try to, to really jumpstart this club, uh, so, some more creative methods. We'll, we'll try to dig deep into our hats, but for now, we're just going to hang our hats on the fact that despite the universe trying its best to keep us apart, we finally got the dang thing done, and we got this episode recorded. So thank you guys out there for tuning in. Sorry about the wait, and we'll be back again relatively soon, right here on the Platinum Sombrero. <laughs>
Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.